0: everyone. I don't think we need a, a long introduction. We've been waiting for for this part two the whole week um, and I think uh, we really appreciate Rabbi Dweck coming in from, from Mexico, logging in and making sure that he's, he's with us and um, so I'm not going to speak any longer and at the end I'll make an announcement about we have something for tomorrow, uh, a sort of a mini chabura for everybody and I'll I'll say a little bit more about that, but I think we can get going.
1: Thank you, Avi. Um so Avi, do you should I share my screen? Yeah. With the text? Can. Yeah, okay. So that's what I'll do. Let me do that. Isaac, they let you wear red in Yeshiva? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Scandalous. You look good. You look good. I miss you, sweetheart.
2: Okay, where are we? Share screen. Here we go. Okay, so if I'm not mistaken,
1: we left off uh, on a relative cliffhanger in which the Hakam and the Hasid are in dialogue. The Hasid um, is essentially looked at, you know, the Hakam looks down his nose at the Hasid at the very beginning, saying, What on earth do you do all day? You know, I'm sitting here. Breaking my head to understand everything under the sun. I'm spending a huge amount of time working and learning and developing. And you guys, you sit with like 10 Mizmureti and you call that, uh, you call that, you know, fill, filling in your, your obligations. So the the Hasid says to well, why don't you tell me what you learned? He goes, You won't even understand what I learned. Uh-huh. He goes, Why don't you tell me the subjects? He goes through all the subjects with him. And the hacham says how much he learns the mitzvot and the halachot with the mitzvot and the, uh, the, the dinim that have to do with the mitzvot and halachot and all of that. And there's no end. And the hasid says, well, okay, how, how does it go? How is it with regards to like loving and fearing God? How much time have you spent on that? He goes, not a lot. I don't think it's, it requires very much. Love God, fear God. Enough. How much do you need to know about that? And the Hasid basically says that uh, I'm shocked, I'm surprised, that with all the other mitzvot of the Torah, you sit and study all of the details. And this mitzvah, that's Ahava yirah which are such high priorities, you just take as though, yeah, I know what I'm doing. And he says, basically what you do, what you're doing is you're doing it um, at the, as, as we see at the end. In the Adecha, Elama Shehorucha Horecha Behadricha Motchal Datah all you've got uh, for you know in your hand, in terms of how it is that you practice and what you do, is whatever it is that your parents told you to do. Meaning, in terms of your approach to the whole thing, <laughs> you basically deal with these things in terms of however it is that Klal Israel deals with them on mass. You don't really, you haven't spent your time as a hacham contemplating. What is the love of God, and what are the details of it? What are the various components of it? What is the fear of God, and its details and components? Am I achieving it appropriately? And what you've done is you've done basically mitzvah So the Acham responds with a very simple and uh, you know non enthusiastic lo alal He said, look, at least he's honest. The Acham, and he says, I'll be honest with you. I it never even alal Notice the language over here. Lo alal dati is not just a euphemism. He's saying it never even came into my mind to even consider that there would require a great deal of delving and in depth into this, this this corner of thought, right? This area of thought, and that's where I think we left last time. Right? Well, what what is the Hasid going to say to that? First of all, it's astonishing that the Hashem is saying that, and uh, and we have to hear now what the Hasid responds. The Hasid responds as follows: He goes, Al dan." He goes, "Yeah, that's my point. That's exactly what it is that I'm trying to tell you. You think that there's nothing that needs to be, uh, you know, thought of, understood with regards to this, this, and I'm telling you." I mean, let's take Moshe, just how it is that he presented them the Mitzvah. When he wanted to say to us, what is right, what is proper and appropriate for us to do in our lives as Israel. there's this amazing pasuk. I mean, it's an unbelievable. When you think about, I'm taking it out of here for a second. I'm talking to you now. When you think about the fact that there's a pasuk like this in the Torah, where Moshe literally turns to the people before he dies, and he says, "Okay, look, what is God asking
2: from you at the end of the day?"
1: And it's not a rhetorical question; he answers the question. I'll tell you. You know, if you want to know what God wants from you, I will tell you what He wants. <speaking in Hebrew> what is the Lord your God
2: really asking of you? <speaking in Hebrew> I'll tell you what He's asking. Of
1: you. He wants you to have yirah of him, fear. We'll understand what that is, obviously. La lechet bechol derachav u'la'avato.
2: La lechet bechol means to walk in all of his ways. La'avato to love him. La'avodet Adonai
1: roecha bechol leba bechav kudnamshecha to serve him with all of your heart and all of your soul, all of your spirit. And finally, lishmor et mitzvot Adonai vetcho to keep his mitzvot. Notice, interestingly, and I'm not saying that this is not part of what HaKadosh Baruch requires, but he doesn't say to do the mitzvot in this particular place. Right? There's other places where it says, ushmartem, otam. you have to keep them and do them. The only reason I'm pointing it out is not to say that doing is not part of it. Of course it is part of it. I'm pointing it out because doing and keeping is not the same. Don't make the mistake of thinking that doing and keeping is the same. Doing is one thing and keeping is another and both need to be done. Here he talks about keeping. So now I want you to recognize this pasuk, yes? This pasuk has various components in it. First he asks what God wants from you and then he tells him, this is what God wants from you. Fear, walking in his ways, love, serving with all of your heart and soul and keeping the mitzvah. Just everything, right? He just wants all that you've got. Which, why should God ask anything less of
2: you? So, he says, I want to unpack this. Right? Okay, so, you know, this, so far, the
1: pasuk is not a proof against the hacham. Because the hacham is saying, yes, I'm not denying that love and fear is part of it. What I'm saying is, I don't think it requires a tremendous amount of depth of exploration. So here, the hasid says, I want you to pay attention to one thing first, he says to the hacham. Because you just got finished telling me about how much time you spend studying all of the various laws that emerge from the mitzvot. All of the different components, right? So, sukkah was an example that was given. All of the components about how to build a sukkah, what are the components of a sukkah, what about the lab and the drog, and all the various components of those. You spend time learning all of the detailed laws of all of the mitzvot. Notice, he says, that in this pasuk, the keeping of the mitzvot, which is to know all of the various dinim, right, all of the laws of them, is... Rak ehad min anianim hamuzkareim be pasukaz. It's just one of the components of this pasuk. What's more, he says, od arba anianim miskiruba. There are four other things that are mentioned explicitly in this pasuk,
2: and they are, Yir'a, halicha b'dracha, avoda and Ahavah. Now, in addition to that, you have to recognize, of course, that
1: this pasuk needs explanation, but just looking at it on the surface, you recognize that all of this time that you're spending on Shmirat ha- mitzvot is neglecting these other four components. Now, what would the hacham say? The hacham say, okay, I'm neglecting it, I just don't think it requires that much work. The last part requires much more work, right? That's the hacham's entire thing. He says to him, Ulam ti resha pasukaz it's a rich We have to explain this pasuk. Kira kaura nira shon nihpal boharbe because it seems really on its surface to be tremendously redundant. Why? Milavansha Yirada Ava Alohim gehi gami ne kelalu taregem so. I mean, first thing, the love and fear of God is are both each one one of the thirteen six hundred and thirty both. So that should be incorporated in when it says keep all of the mitzvot. I would assume that includes love and fear of God. Haram very clearly enumerates the love of God and the fear of God as two separate mitzvot. When he says keep all the mitzvot, it's included. Why were they singled out? Why were those two mitzvot singled out? If we look carefully though, we will recognize that there are categories of mitzvot. Mitzvot can be divided into categories, different types of mitzvot. And there are mitzvot that are mitzvot hamase. There are mitzvot that are act- action based mitzvot, right? They're action oriented, or they require a deed to be performed. That's one type. But there are other mitzvot that address the mental state and mental functions of a person. That's why the pasuk separated them out. And what did it put first? What it put first was the mitzvot alev. It gave Uh, it gave the initial listing the mitzvot on the heart before the mitzvot on the goof before the mitzvot on the things that the body has to carry out recognize that the, the limbs that we have the body that we work with serve the heart's desires you've already agreed to me Mr. Hacham, that the whole essence of our service to God is in the mindset. You already agreed that you gave me that point. You agreed to that point. That the essence of it all is our mindset. And that the actions are actions that must stem from a particular mindset. I want to make a point here. I know that it's probably going to get buried in this shiur, but coming off of the shiur in Hebrew that I gave on the uh, on the um, the nature of mitzvot, right? Uh, the the perspective through which we should do mitzvot. And I realized that a lot of people misunderstood what I was saying. And then I listened back to the shiur, and I was very clear. I didn't misstate what I was saying. People were not used to hearing what I said, therefore they they understood me saying something something other than what I was saying. People thought that I was talking about when a person does a mitzvah, what should their intent be for that specific mitzvah? And that's not what I was talking about what I was talking about is a person's general framework of relating to Torah and mitzvot. What what is the right way to be able to see the corpus of Torah and mitzvot? And in what way am I supposed to do mitzvot? In other words, what is the nature of doing mitzvot? And therefore, when a person has that mindset, they can do a mitzvah it's still within that same framework of thought. So I'm just making a side point over there to be able to point that out because that's all, that's all that I was talking about. and that, I made that very clear when I was speaking in the Yishirur. And this is what he's saying. He's saying that the the entire core mindset of how it is that we serve God must come before the actions that we do. And they take precedent. And the reason they take precedence is because they are the essence of it. As you yourself admitted, Mr. Hacham. So now, Omnam, he what he did was among the obligations of the heart, he, dis, he uh, uh, delineated, he, he detailed, he point, pulled out two major ones, two major elements of the heart, of the mind. And they themselves are the two major pillars. Upon which everything is based. All of our service is rests upon these two pillars. Ushar kol Everything else that is tied to the functions of the heart and the mind regarding our avodah are all derivatives. And everything else, whatever else there is besides love and fear, he included in Lalechibi Walk in his ways. Which essentially is the whole essence of derot in Haramba. It was a, a Rav. Um, what's his name? Oh, all of a sudden I forgot the
2: name of the Rav. He wrote a sefer Pardes, but there's so many sefer Pardeses
1: out there. A European Ashkenazi a rabbi in the 18th century, he was a big Rambamnik, and in the beginning of his uh, explanations of you know whatever it was that he was writing, he wrote an introduction. He said, "He said it's in uh, in our avonot, it's our sins, and because of our sins, that Maran Shohan Aruch, Maran Ben Yosef Karo, wrote the bet yosef on the tour."
2: If we had zechut, he says, it's a crazy idea, but he says if we had zechut, he would have written the Beit
1: Yosef on Harabam on the Mishneh Torah. And Maran writes in his introduction why he didn't do that. He says I should even Maran himself in the introduction to the Beit Yosef says I should have written the Beit Yosef on the Harabam, but I didn't write it on Harabam. He says ha posek He's the most famous, right? He's the most well-known. Everybody accepts Harambam, right? And he said, and the reason why, they say they do anyway. The reason why he didn't do it is because there was so much time, about 500 years, yeah? Between, excuse me, there was about, uh, yeah, it was about 400 years, 400 some odd years, between Harambam and Maran, there was so much development that the tur had more already in it so that it 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 uh, minimized a tad the work that Maran had to do in order to be able to bring the opinions that had spoken, because most of them, or a lot of them, had already been said in the tour. So it was easier, he says it was easier, to write the Beit Yosef on the tour, but it should have been written on Aram B'am, says Maran. Now, now, this Rav, uh, the Rav Pardis, he says, uh, he says the reason why he says it was Abu it was the Abu and he said if Maran would have written the Beit Yosef on the Rambam and kept Halakha with Harambam, everybody would learn Sefer Hamada, And everybody would know Elchot Chot Torah and Elchot De'ot and Elchot Chot And now they're scattered all over Shrohan Aruch. It's very hard to know them and see them clearly, and people only study Shrohan Aruch. They very rarely study Arama, and so they don't know these anymore. He says, "Why am I bringing that?" Because he says, "Lalechet bechol deracha." Lalechet bechol deracha is in chodeot. That's how Arama. That's how Arama brings it in. He brings it in because the mitzvah is halicha be deracha. Ma urachu ma fatarachu. What does deracha do? They say, "Hachemim say if he as he's merciful, you be merciful." As He is pardoning, you be pardoning. As He is caring, you be caring. And so on and so forth. These are things, if you want to connect to God, you instill in you things that allow for God to, be, to, to run in you, so to speak. Because the things that are not the derech Hashem, or the halicha b'drachav, only create obstructions between you and God. What are the ways that God engages with the world then he said you should serve God with all of your heart and all of your soul with everything you've got so what have you learned he says to the Hacham from that one Pasuk that the Pasuk is focusing on the mental frameworks of service and the heart in the service of God. Aharkach! And then only after that does he mention the mitzvot, the action-oriented mitzvot. And how does he mention them? As one. He says the mitzvot. He doesn't detail anything else from them. doesn't talk about anything else detailed in them which is to keep the mitzvot of God. What we find from that is besides the need to know the halachot of the action-oriented mitzvot in order to perform them appropriately, which you've done, we still need four other things to deal with. And to learn. That essentially accompany the action to make it holistic and whole and proper. So that you should be desired ultimately. You should appease God. Meaning what? Appease God. Meaning that there should be, you in an existential way,
2: should be able to stand without obstruction in front of God. Why without obstruction? Was, why is this the thing that causes obstruction? Because as Harambam writes, the only
1: connection that we have to God, and as I explained, the only connection that we have to God is in our minds, is in our consciousness. That is what connects us. Harambam says it very explicitly. And what the hal is saying over here is you don't have that. If that consciousness is not well calibrated, you can do whatever it is that you want.
2: All the actions perfectly. They go nowhere. So the hacham says, Look, oh, he's listening and he's listening. He says, Look,
1: he goes, Look, the bottom line is you need to learn halacha. You have to know how to do the mizvot. There's no way not to learn the halakha in order to be able to form the mizvot. Well. Because there's so much to learn when it comes to that, that section, there's no time. I mean, there's, no, there's no room that's left to, to focus on those other things. Oh, well, you know, that's already getting a little weak, that argument. I mean, I'm saying. I mean, if you recognize them as one of the mitzvot, and the most primary mitzvot, what do you mean there's no time? I mean, it's as much time as there is with the other ones. So what the Hasid goes, well, I have two things to say to you about that. Sh'tai momar lecha. Rishona, first is, sh'areh en tshuvatecha zot Sorry, but it really doesn't suffice. El oto I mean, that only suffices when, if you've set up some amount of time in your day or your week or your month or whatever it is to learn halachot and the poski. But what about the time that you spend in
2: pilpul? You know, you sit and study the Gemara for its own sake.
1: You know, you sit there and you learn these sugyot and the Gemara and back and forth in all of the discussions and you don't learn those in order to be able to know what to do why are you putting your time in that instead of these things how are you going to answer the time that you're putting into that, study
2: that is
1: it, can you not say I mean you should stop studying those things because they don't bring you any refinement and wholeness in yourself that's necessary Spend your time instead on what has been told to you that you have an obligation to do. And what is that? You need to know these things for your own wholeness.
2: So that's also a line that probably wouldn't go over well in a lot of the yeshivot. Because that's the majority of the time that they spend. On the...
1: And what the Hasid is saying, I don't know why you're spending your time on that. Replace that with the study of the love and fear and Halicha Second thing I'll say to your answer is, It says, even in the time that you do spend on the mitzvot, these are not mitzvot. So, because you decided to spend more time on kaviyat mizuzah
2: rather than these, shift around what it is that you're focusing on in that own in that part.
1: Are these not mitzvot like the other mitzvot? Ad To the contrary, they're the mitzvot that have to be held, kept You have to hold these as constants. These are not circumstantial mitzvot, time-bound mitzvot. These are mitzvot that require a
2: system of a mindset to be functional at all times. And they have to be included and a basis for all the other mitzvot. So how can they not be your priority? So we go ahead, and study about but if you don't have these down then how are you doing in a full
1: way? You yourself said you need to be able to have the love and fear and all of that in place. Now based on that I'll say like, even if you could spend all the time to deal with these, these two aspects to their fullest extent lovely. But if you had to choose if you had to genuinely make one a priority over the other, it makes more sense, it's more reasonable to say that the better route to take is to curtail for in one area so you have more room for another area and don't spend so much time on the other you'll never get to the end of it that's already been established and spend time at the point you have time for the other part because especially since the other part that you're neglecting is the
2: core part
1: as we've already said you haven't even completed the first part without this other part oh so now the hacham finally is beginning to crack
2: and the hacham says because
1: look I'll tell you the truth because I'll be honest with you, many times I thought that studying about love and fear of God and all of that was not a necessary thing. It's, it wasn't it wasn't required. Why Because they seem so simple in my eyes, which I've said already. We've established. However, if I'm being completely honest, there were times where I was a bit agitated about it, not so sure about it, bothered by I did recognize that these were things that really needed to be fulfilled and developed as a whole as a whole element because they are the essence of the wholeness of a nefesh, right? The the wholeness and individuation of a person and the refinement and, and uh, proper establishment of his midot to find favor in the eyes of his creator. But the reality is that as quickly as they came they left those thoughts when I thought them. Or I was too involved in something else so I couldn't give it focus. Or some other thing that came up. Uh, I was just lazy but I never really pursued those fleeting thoughts that came into my head and for that I've never really grasped it I've never gone to it however He says the truth is as I'm sitting before you now and I'm listening to you and I'm being intellectually honest, I have to say, I fault myself for that. I don't have any more answers that I could give you to defend myself. Oh. So finally. Now of course it's always difficult when you know that one person is writing this dialogue because he set it up. But uh, if the Hakam is a genuine Hakam and he's meant to be, right? He's meant to be presented as a genuine Hakam here.
2: He's going to be intellectually honest. And it is here that he admits that he's missing. So the Hasid says to me, he goes, he goes, what I can tell
1: you I've found, in all of my studies around this stuff, and my, uh, my understanding of what it is that I should engage in and keep from in my life, there is nothing so difficult in all the world, than achieving truth and wholeness. When I say wholeness, I'm i do not what do I mean by that? I mean a fulfillment of one's whole self and integrity. That's what shlemut means.
2: And what he's saying is that it's the toughest stuff. It's the hardest thing for us to, to work
1: on. There are there are obstacles upon obstacles. Kulam Hazakim, they're all powerful. Kulam Kashimeo, they're extremely difficult. They are like these massive walls double-bolted before us. Adam al Whereas even a person works very hard to bring down many of them and to pass through many of them. Odi There's still more. Until a person gets to truly grasp wholeness and truth. Now, it's important because that might sound very religious. And um, what I mean by that is it might sound very fundamentalist and extreme and hard to grasp. And what's important to recognize, if you've had experience in working on yourself at all in life, is that there are people call it, like, you know, psychologists will call it the layers of an onion. Right? In that there are elements in our lives that we can realize our problems.
2: Behaviors that we have. Thinking that we have. Emotional elements that we have.
1: Attributes that we have. That we come to realize are flawed. And by flawed I mean that they are not serving us in our lives well. They're causing us trouble. In whatever ways, they're either causing us trouble in our own selves, being able to be whole and well seated in our selves, or they cause us trouble in relationships that we have. And, be, and as a result of having them, they cause us friction and difficulty in terms of being able to properly engage with the world. And it's important to know that our relationships with people have a great deal to do with our relationships with God. If we can't have relationships with people that are good and healthy and, and, and functional, we can't really have relationships with God. It's very important to understand that it's not some magic thing that all of a sudden with God people are able to have a good relationship, but with people we're not. And so, when we refine those things, we often will say, okay, I see this is an issue. And we work on developing an issue. And we, we actually make it better. It is possible for people to be better, contrary to popular belief. You know, people, they say people don't change. There's truth to that. There's truth to that, and there's two reasons. There are two elements of that. One element is that, for the most part, the average individual doesn't do the rigorous work that's necessary to be able to change and refine themselves. It requires a huge amount of work. And I'm not saying that from a Ramchal place. I'm saying that from a psychological place, from both personal experience and experience when working with people for over 20 years. It requires a tremendous amount of focus, of consistency, of wisdom, of practice, of dedication. To just begin to change one's thoughts, behaviors that have become ingrained in an individual from the time of childhood. And when we do, and it's possible, so I say people don't change, some people just don't, they can't be bothered to do the work. And it requires work. And even if they do, it's true that the core personality of an individual is the core personality of an individual. That's not going to change. And that's okay, because it could be a core personality that could be embedded in good values and good behaviors and good attributes, and the core personality is embedded in bad behaviors and bad traits and bad attributes.
2: But it is possible for people to better themselves. It is absolutely possible. It's just a lot of work.
1: But it's the work of our lives. What, what Ramhal is pointing out over here, and what Haram Baum points out. That's why he puts it at the very beginning of the book. It takes a lot of work. And says, you have to go to a whole extreme and then recalibrate and bring it to the center. And there's, it just takes years. He even writes in the morning, he goes, you want to start praying with Kavana? Just focus on
2: every word of the Kariyat Shema and what it means and do that for years. And then you can go to the next level." So what I'm saying is that what Ramchal is saying over here is not far off.
1: It's precisely right. And when he says there's doors and there's barriers and barriers, there are. Those are the peels that are the layers of the onion. So when you do fix a certain thing, you do heal from something, you do emerge into a better, more healthy place, there's another thing that comes around that is a deeper element of that same issue that you had not even had the capacity to
2: look at until now when you pulled away the first two layers because it was buried under those other two layers. And that is the truth. No matter how difficult it may be for us to hear that or know that, it is the truth.
1: And one must understand in one's life that it requires a lifetime to refine. You know what Haram says? Haram says in the seventh perak of al Teshubah, he says, since it is in our hands to do, Adam Nasot Teshuba. A person should constantly be working on returning to the core, whole, pure, individuated self, integrated self. teshuba. So when he dies, he's a master of Teshuba. Because that's what our life is at the end of the day. It's a life of growth. It's a life of development. It's a life of refinement. We don't want to be the same uh, immature, uh, what's the word? Uh, I'll leave it at that, immature. Don't want to use stronger words than that. Underdeveloped people that we were at 18 or 20, when we we're 40, 60, 80. We want our life to develop and that there should be recognition of growth and change. And don't think that just getting older makes you more mature.
2: It absolutely does not. I have seen 60-year-old children in my life, plenty of them. It doesn't change just with the passing of years. You
1: must change it. We must. It's the work of our lives. It's the reason why Abraham Avinu asks for old age. The Midrash says. Abraham Zakin. It's the first time we hear somebody being zaken in the Torah. Nobody's told. We we'll never hear that anybody's zaken. Abraham Zakin. Abraham asked for Ziknah. He asked for old age. Why? He said because Yitzhak looked like so much like him that everybody started to confuse him with Yitzhak. And he didn't show any signs of aging. And he said, I've worked my entire life. I've developed myself to no end and I and people think I'm a 20-year-old. I, I want to show I want some evidence that I've lived a life.
2: But the devotional says we can help you with that. I'll make sure you look like you've lived a life. Okay? So he says, look, I mean it's uh,
1: after you work in taking away many of the layers, there are still many layers left. We'll end on this.
2: The general population of the world are just not intelligent people. It's not because they don't have good IQs, it's just that they don't spend time on it
1: the the minority are people that are wise and know about the nature of
2: life so we're going to have to see what it is that the Hasid does with the Hakam at this point but his opening line is
1: not I told you so his opening line
2: once the Hakam admits is yeah it's really hard So we're going to have to see what we do with that difficulty next time. And with that, I bid you all uh,
1: buenas noches. You should uh, have a good good night, sleep well, and I will see you next time back in uh, Inglaterra, hopefully.
0: Bye. Thank you so much, Rabbi. You, uh, feel free to, to go. You've got a busy deadline. We really appreciate uh, the effort um, and the dedication to this. Uh, um, just one announcement for everyone else. Um, we'll be sending out the flyer with details. Um, but tomorrow night is uh, Rosh Chodesh, and it's the Nachala of, of a very in- interesting figure that, according to his Matseva he used to be famous in his time. His name is Isaac Orobio de Castro, who was a Portuguese intellectual. He was a hacham, and doctor, um, and he was also he was tortured in the Inquisition and then escaped to... To Amsterdam, the community went to France and then the community of Amsterdam. And he was, he stood up for the Torah, he defended um, against the critiques of, of Spinoza. Um, so we're going to be looking into his works and try, you know, he was an ambassador for the Jewish people, so we want to revive that legacy. Um, and we have the honor to be doing that with um, Walter Hilliger. Um, who is the translator of of his book. Um, He's also translated a few books of Chacham David Nieto from Judeo-Spanish. So I'm sure it'll be an interesting conversation. Um, We'll have a few words about who who this person was in a bit more detail. And then we'll be going through some of his philosophical writings. Um, So that will be quite exciting. Everyone is invited. We hope to see you all there. Um, Thank you for coming. And we'll, we'll send out the poster imminently and you can we'll we'll speak tomorrow and there you go, I think Noah's put the link of who he is, if you're interested you can copy that have a Laila Tov everybody and a good day Um, and we'll be in touch
2: Thank you very much Thank you